Yeah. Sam. Podcast. Oh, yeah. No, this is Couple of Critics Podcast, oh. and I would like to introduce myself. My name is Michelle. Hello. My, my name's the Kool-Aid Man. I must have walked in the wrong place. Hold on a second. Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm Sam. I kicked the Kool-Aid Man out of here. I appreciate that. Really, he just busted through the wall and left, and now we have a giant hole in the side of the house. It's very inconvenient for this time of year. It is cold outside. He's not going to pay for the repairs. He never pays for the repairs. Of course he doesn't. That son of a bitch. I wonder what, I mean, considering how cheap it is to purchase Kool-Aid versus summoning the Kool-Aid man and having him create structural damage to your home, it just doesn't seem like a fair trade. It's it's not worth it. He's a dick. (laughs) He puts one hole when he comes in and then he puts another hole when he leaves. In your heart? two that you... He's always filled the hole in my heartburn since Kool-Aid, for some reason, gives me heartburn. It does me as well. That's why it's funny that on the GERD diet list that I've seen from a gastroenterologist... I'm sorry, I said that wrong. I've had a margarita from a gastroenterologist that... What, is Kool-Aid on the list? Kool-Aid is okay. It's safe to drink. But I personally, and I know that you have also had issues oh, with yeah. heartburn from it but that's what we think it is no every time i've ever explained uh, how i get heartburn everybody's like uh that doesn't uh, actually sound like heartburn sound like heartburn dude that (laughs) sounds like you're just dying yeah i don't know what (laughs) it sounds like that you are dealing with i don't know it hasn't happened in a long time unless your way of explaining it is just weird it's exactly what happens i get an immense pain in my chest that lasts for i don't know 15 minutes and then it gets really, really bad, really, really bad. And then all of a sudden it just goes, ah, and just goes away within like a minute. And then I'm done. It's very strange. It hasn't happened in a while. Well, I never used to deal with heartburn. And then I started dealing with it. And then I got GERD. So I... She's got the GERD. I do. <laughs> Gastroesophageal reflux disease. So uh, I've got a gaping... Stomach opening. That constantly makes you burp. I burp all the time. I think that that might be from my machine. I feel like... Really? Like a shoving air into you that lasts all day? Well, it starts first thing in the morning now. Yeah, but it goes into the night, too. Mm -hmm. Before the machine. But I think that diet has something to do with that as well, because the things that I enjoy consuming, like citrus things and whatnot, are things... Like, everything upsets my stomach. Anything tomato-based, anything dairy. Anything delicious. <sighs> the list that was on the GERD list was literally everything that tastes good. <laughs> it sucks. Everything upsets my stomach and makes me very gassy. I am a joy of a woman to have. <laughs> Indeed. Sweet baby. You're not down there. Huh? It's not like I'm farting in your mouth. No, I'm not saying that. 
I didn't say anything like that. I know. I just wanted to be extra vulgar. So, well, this is Couple of Critics Podcast. And Welcome. what we do here is Sam and I, we're a married couple. And when it comes to media, we're all in. When it comes to movies and music and TV and all of that shit, for the most, I mean, not you as much when it comes to like... Not TV <laughs> TV, and I don't know if movies even really. You don't seek much of anything out. Nope. I like what I like and I'm good with it. <clears throat> I don't really need anything new. What a fucking curmudgeon. <laughs> I'm just going to stand in this spot and never move. You know what's funny about that though is that like I never check anything out on my own really. Usually when I do see things, I'm like, yeah, that wasn't bad. Maybe I should check more things out, but then I just... Do not. I also expose you to a lot of things when it comes to information and visual things that you wouldn't normally seek out on your own, but you're aware of what's going on because of me. Yep. I'm in a bubble. I like being in a bubble. I don't need to know things. But you at least allow me in with uh, the stupid things that I consume. Oh, I like to hear about the dumb things, but... Mm -hmm. You know what most of it is nowadays? It's like, I don't play video games anymore. I don't really watch anything that I can't work on something else while it's on. I almost feel guilty. Like, so you don't I'm, consume like too f- much new stuff is what no, you're saying. I feel like I'm, because it makes me feel like I'm wasting my time. Like, uh, like, it's more in video games. I don't play video games anymore because three minutes into it, I would be like, what the fuck am I doing? I could be practicing the guitar. I could be working on something for the podcast. I could be doing anything else you're lucky that you're talented and driven enough that that's what runs through your head (laughs) that it makes me feel guilty immediately for me it's like i wish i could do something different but (laughs) i can't because i'm a piece of shit (laughs) or because i don't because i'm a piece of shit (laughs) and make choices that are less productive Whereas you're a pretty driven person. But let me tell you what, I consume a lot of good media. And uh, so again, the idea behind this podcast is that we share our interest with each other. We listen, we watch, and we talk about it. And this week, we listened to an album. And it's something that we're both familiar with. Quite familiar with. Yeah, we're not strangers to this at all as a couple or solo. Uh... We share the same interest on this episode, unlike the Dying Fetus episode, unlike the Symphony X episode, (laughs) unlike the Mariah Carey episode. We did a Mariah Carey episode? Yeah, her MTV Unplugged, silly. Oh, yeah. We watched it. You know what's funny about that is, like, I can't remember the episodes we've done, and I think three weeks ago, I was like, maybe I should do Alice Cooper Love It to Death, and then I looked through our podcasts, and I was like, oh. Uh, we've already done that. <laughs> yeah, I need to get back to writing that stuff out. But I, I need to actually do it in some sort of like chart form where it can be like, this is the list of Sam's stuff that he has done. It's all on a database on Stitcher for you. By the way, Stitcher Premium, give us that money. <laughs> so we listened to Tenacious D's third album, Rise of the Phoenix. It's the Rise of the Phoenix. So this album came out. Uh, I, I see different dates, but it looks like it was released May 11th of 2012. I didn't. That long ago? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Almost eight years. So I didn't listen to this. 
I haven't listened to the album that has been released since this. Oh, that's right. They did have an album that came out with. I was getting ready to be like, why the fuck have they released, released an album recently? Released. But they did do that. Didn't they have like a little animated show that went along with it, too? There was something... Uh, there was that, but then I think that they had an actual album that was released within the last like year and a half or yeah, so. Yeah, I thought they coincided with each other, and it like... It I feel like, like there was like an Explosivo something, or there was... There was something that was like specific, but then I feel like there was just another album that was done. I could be uh, wrong though. I'm gonna assume you're wrong, like always. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea of Rise of the Phoenix briefly is that Tenacious D came out with an album in 2001, and for a lot of people, it was huge. For me, it was huge. I listened to it. Oh, was this the first all one? All the time, yes. And then they came out with a movie, The Pick of Destiny, and they had an album that coincided with it. I wouldn't say soundtrack, but it's definitely like its own album. Yeah. It's called The Pick of Destiny, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah. And it was a flop. It was a failure. A commercial flop. Yeah. And I people still love it now. More they than do. they did ever. There are a lot of people who really enjoy the movie. I feel think i've seen it once i'm not sure i've ever seen it all the way through i feel like i had that i i was like that as well and then i feel that there was a time within the last two years or so that i had accessibility and watched it but i don't know yeah, I feel like I did, because the beginning was really weird, and it had Meatloaf as his dad. And, yeah, yeah, and the little boy. Yeah, and it was it was super weird, but I, I wasn't in, into it, really. And I didn't even know that Rise of the Phoenix came out. But it's the whole idea of, like, rising from the ashes, we're doing this again, we're stronger than ever. This is what we're doing, we're back we're not going to be hurt by the fact that our last album was a flop. We're going to be the best band in the world again. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we have Jack Black, we have Kyle Gass, and once again, Dave Grohl is drumming as he does on all of the Tenacious D albums, oh, which I think is super David neat. Mr. David Grohl. Mr. David Grohl. I like the way he drums. I like his style of drumming. Mm-hmm. You've said that, that he's just real wild and... He drums very hard. Yeah, he seems like he hits the drums hard. but And I don't mean wild in a lot of fancy shit way. It seems like he employs the most important lesson that a drummer needs to have, which is this is not a fucking drum solo for you. You are here for the backbeat. You are here to be the, 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 the backbone of the song. Mm-hmm. But or, he adds something that... I think is a part of Tenacious D because he has always been on all of the albums that yeah. like is a part of the sound that is familiar. I mean, why wouldn't you use him if you can get Dave Grohl every time and he's excited to do it every mm-hmm. time? Why wouldn't you get him? Yeah. Plus, wasn't he the devil in the pick of destiny? He was, or was well, it just the, no, it was just a music video for the, uh, for tribute. But I feel like he was, was he also the, in the pick the of destiny. The Good for him. 
Yeah, because they're friends. And then Jack Black was in that video for Foo Fighters Low that oh, I love. Yeah, that video that was, was super awesome. weird where there were just a bunch of white trash guys who got a cheap motel room and they got super wasted and eventually get started dressing as women and <laughs> wore makeup. And We should do that for the YouTube channel, <laughs> that video. I love, yeah, I'm completely in on that. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and start on this album that, again, was released in 2012. In 2013, it was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Comedy Album. So I think that that is an interesting factoid about this. I didn't prior to this either. Um, But I'm sure that Jack Black being in the album or in the band probably had something to do with that. You know who else was technically the devil in the pick of Destiny? Who? Paul F. Tompkins. Why? He's he's the uh, club announcer guy Uh and then he walks out back and he transforms into the devil pft i almost said pft r.i.p (laughs) no don't ever don't let that happen okay i love pft (laughs) me too so let's uh let's title track start this fucking album rise of the (laughs) phoenix by tenacious d here we go we're gonna start Throwing a lot of fuckings in because that's like a tenacious D Jack Black thing where he just adds it is fucking in there just to like spice it up a little bit. I certainly wasn't planning it. Oh, it's on now. I think it's just coming out of me naturally. And I feel like more people should know about this because we were not familiar with this. And because of Kent, yes. we had like mixed iTunes music at one point, like shared it with each other. And I didn't even know that we had this. And we were kind of a little late in the game on this, but we were obsessed with this album. Yeah, I remember him championing this album when it came out. He was like, really, listen to it, man. It's really good. Well, and I don't know about that, but I'm just saying when we eventually started listening to it, I know that we were both super all in on this because you were not as you liked Tenacious D because you had access to HBO. No, I did not have access to HBO as a child. I thought you had access to their show. No, I knew Tenacious D from solely downloading songs i remember downloading songs illegally on the internet and getting like i think they were from that show but i remember being in tenacious into tenacious d before the first album came out and i made a tenacious d shirt of them coming out of a porta potty and wore it to school and uh kind of got shit and i was like fuck you tenacious d's awesome because i wrote tenacious d will rock your socks off on it and I got kind of shit for it. Cut to two months later, everybody's like, Have you heard of Tenacious D? Have you heard of Gently? And I was like, You motherfuckers. Two months ago, you were shitting on me, and now, and now I'm like almost getting out of it because you guys like it. Well, I didn't know anyone ever shit on you. This is all new to me. It wasn't like, Hey, queer, you got that shirt on? It was like, Who's Tenacious D? Like, look at those guys. I mean, they saw Kyle Gass on the shirt, and I was like, Look at that. He's a fat, bald guy. And I was like, fuck you. But no, I started watching the HBO show after probably The Pick of Destiny. Probably on your DVD that you own. I enjoy how 
Jack Black has a comedic vocal tone all the time. I think he's talented in general. Yeah. He just definitely has his own sound. Yeah. Do you think he can not sing in that goofy way? Do you think he's got an actual, like, can turn the goofy part of it off? I think he can, but I think he's a lot less skilled. I don't think he's, like, vocally trained. Oh, like, so I, th- I think he could, but he would need work so he's almost, for it to sound passable. So he's almost got to do the goofy way of singing it to get to those notes, almost? Probably. Yeah. I mean, I'm just guessing. I have no idea. I'm not saying that he's not talented, but it just seems like it's not super polished, but what he's doing, he's very good at. Oh, it's definitely entertaining. It grabs you and makes you want to listen to it. Keeps you in the moment. So this song was their first single, I guess. Which I was not aware of any singles, but we, at the time, lived at the church with Adam and had, like, no internet for a while or any access to the outside world. And that was before smartphones. We didn't have the internet? We didn't have the internet for a while. Oh, that's right, because we had to wait for Frontier to come into for town. A while. We're like one of the first houses to get Frontier. That's right. And by the way, for everyone listening, yes, we did live in an old church for a little bit. It's not like a steeple, you know, traditional church. It was more just like a big brick building that was once a church. But we did bathe in a, I almost said a urinal. <laughs> we bathed in a urinal every day. In a baptismal tub. Yeah, it's, it's a literal baptismal tub that was trans, uh, not transformed. What's the, the word? The shower head was installed. That was it. <laughs> yeah. It was still disgusting. It had that was gross. Terrible drainage system installation. Yeah, it was like too flat and almost went the other way and the water never made it to the drain. It was fixed after we moved out. No, I fixed it with Adam. We shoved a bunch of wood in the back so that it would tilt the other way. It would go down into the drain. It was a fucking job. That place was gross. (laughs) He still lives there, so... Yeah. I wonder what the baptismal tub looks like now. Maybe his girlfriend was like, hey, I can't fucking handle this. We gotta clean this up. I think think it's the same. I think it's just that it was fixed after we moved out. How was it fixed? Because I was there for the fixing. I don't know. But I thought that there was a whole thing that, like, he and his dad did that involved, like... Digging by someone else coming in. Oh, Jesus. So they went even further. Maybe. I could be remembering this incorrectly. Yeah. So we shoved two by fours into the back. I remember having to lift the fucking tub. Yeah, I don't think that was enough to do what needed what it, to be done. Yeah, I think it took more than that. Enjoy the baptismal tub, Adam. <laughs> he doesn't listen to this. He would never listen to this. He never listens to any podcast. Why would he? He's not that kind of guy. He cares about nothing but cigarettes, puss, and (laughs) rock and roll. And drums. Well, country now. He's a countryman. He does what pays. Yeah, that's true. And they do get paid, those motherfuckers. They do. I was asked to join that band twice, and I've declined twice. If you were asked a third time, what would be your answer? I would decline a third time. Thrice. I can't be playing songs like... What's that? Country Road? 
It's not. My Do style. you know what that is? Because that's John Denver. Yeah, maybe I'm not saying the right one. I don't or think no. you are. I don't remember. But I remember they played this one song because I had to do sound for him one time. And I was like, oh, boy, this sucks. Oh, my God, this would kill my soul if I had to play this. Well, let's roll on into the second single, which is also the second track off of this Rise of the Phoenix album, Low Hanging Fruit. This video is insanely cheap. You remember it? Yeah, it is, for sure. It's like CG fruits and stuff. I mean, make a way better video than I could, but... Uh, it, it looked like one of those, like, mall things that you... It's like, make your own video. That's what it looked like. Didn't they do that for one of the videos in the first album? Where tribute. they go into, like, a... It was tribute. tribute where they go into that record-your-own song booth. Old Tenacious D. Someone told me... I think it was Kent that Corey Taylor from Slipknot used to play in a Tenacious D tribute band like while he was popular with Slipknot and Stone Sour, which is very strange to me. Like, hey guys, let's just get together and do some Tenacious D tracks. Oh, I can't really say much because all I want to say is I'm sure it sucked. <laughs> but I know that's not fair to say, so. That dude can sing. Okay. He can, like, not scream. Yeah, but it still sounds like alpha male, stress-pushed. Uh, maybe so, maybe not. I did that one song that I can't remember. It was fucking huge. It was an acoustic song. Oh, my God. Let's start at a flip floor. I didn't get enough air before this. Quick, 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 quick. That's the classic Jack Black gibberish stuff that he's done in the past. Yeah, I enjoy which is, that. Which is always fun to hear. What I really enjoy that I don't think anyone pays attention to, I think Kyle Gass is wonderful at harmonies. Oh, yeah. No, he's great at harmonies. Aside from the fact that Jack Black can hit notes, whether you think it's done earnestly or jokingly, but... What Kyle Gass is able to do and fill in and back and all of that, he's very talented. I, Go ahead. I think that Tenacious D is talented in general, but I think that Kyle Gass, the one who is not seen as much because he's not Jack Black, is very solid. Yeah, it, his voice is more like serene and like a real voice. When I say real, I mean like trying to not sound goofy. His sounds like. More, More actual practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know that he's... Jack Black always says that Kyle's the most talented one when it comes to I pretty agree much with everything. That. I mean, the dude can play the guitar like a motherfucker. He does solos on an acoustic guitar that sound great, and it's way harder to solo on an acoustic guitar than it is on an electric guitar. Mm-hmm. Especially if you got distortion and sh- uh, shit like that added on. Yeah. If it's clean and you got to... Like, acoustic guitar strings are tighter harder to push down because they're well they're actually a little bit thicker i was gonna say aren't they actually thicker but yeah so it's way harder to. i play mean it's like, probably not technically a lot but when it comes to actually playing the guitar and using your fingers it feels like a big difference oh man one gauge difference makes a fucking ton of difference there's i play tens like the highest the high e string is a 
10 millimeter gauge or 0. 0.010 millimeter gauge. Like by the end of, well, when he's still alive, the dude from ZZ Top, what's his fucking name? Billy Gibbons. He's down to sevens now. So it's like. Well, he's dead, right? Is that what you were just saying? No, I said he wasn't dead. Billy Gibbons is definitely not dead. Oh, I thought you were just expressing in some way. I don't know. All I can think about is the fact that I have to pee. <laughs> but I didn't pee before this because you took a shit. I and, took a big steamy dump. And I didn't want to go in right after a big steamy <laughs> dump and pee. Good idea. I've been dropping major fart bombs all day. <sighs> I Because I've been trying to <laughs> eat differently and change... Ugh, since everything that I enjoy bothers my stomach, but maybe trying to make some differences on the front end, uh, I feel like there's been a little less gas. Good. I mean, I'm burping like crazy, but I don't I fart as much as I was. That's more your GERD, but like if you're not producing as much gas, that's a good thing. I support your change. I am lactose intolerant, as I've talked about many times. Excuse me. And I avoid that. Milk in general? I typically just disregard the fact that I shouldn't consume dairy and just do what I want. But here for a while, I mean, I haven't been eating ice cream. I haven't been doing anything like that. Like, I bought myself ice cream and then went to the doctor. I was like, this is one of the things that are really upsetting your stomach. And it's like, oh. (laughs) So there's just been, like, ice cream sitting in the freezer for a while, just sitting there. Uh, I'm afraid to eat now. I'm afraid to eat it. Now, I might sound dumb here, but is lactose intolerance transferred? Ooh, say that again. I might sound dumb here, but does lactose intolerance... Oh, you said that better the next time. What did I say it the first time? It kind of sounded more like lactose. Well, I eat a lot of lactose. That's, I put lactated milk. <laughs> you don't do any of these things, but way to stretch it out like your butthole. Um, does that transfer to like cheese? Yes, and it's sour dairy. cream. Well, I didn't know if it's got to be in like more a pure milk form. Just dairy, baby. Huh. And I assume if it's like soured and cultured and like further in the process, it's also going to be harsher when it comes. Like if I were to consume yogurt, there's like bacteria in it that's good. Yeah. But that would guarantee, as it has, like which I enjoy yogurt and I do have have it every once in a while but like if i were to have it regularly it would upset my stomach it has given me heartburn when i've tried to have it regularly it's not great huh. for me and uh that would seem like the thing that would stop the heartburn like for me not when it's acid reflux when if it's just basic heartburn you can do a thing like have have some ice cream or have a glass of milk and it yeah. helps when it's actual like like an esoph- gastroesophical issue as it is like the GERD. It works the opposite. If I and I've dealt with that. If I have been having issues with heartburn and I'm just like, I'm gonna eat some vanilla ice cream and this is gonna make it better. It feels like I can like breathe fire after it. Is it just makes it worse. It just makes your stomach create even more acid. That's bullshit right there. So like all of the things. So basically if I just consume a nice diet of fruits, vegetables, and lean meats and drink water. I will uh, be healthier in many ways. Hmm. So basically, I've done what I've wanted for too long. I've eaten, I've enjoyed Mexican food for too long and spirits and such. And now my body is like, nope, 
you got to eat the way that your parents always made you eat Ugh. when you grew up, which is super plain and super nothing. The bane of getting older. It's fun, right? It takes its toll. It sucks balls. Uh, let's listen to the next track, which is Classical Teacher. That's what it's called? Oh, okay. Spoken. There are some spoken tracks here. Um, thinking a lot about it. I was thinking about this when you were talking about the ice cream in the freezer. Do you remember on Christmas when my mom told us that Bob was waking up in the middle of the night and eating entire pints of ice cream? And then just like <laughs> destroying all of her ice cream sandwiches and stuff. And I'm just being like, yeah. And I'm just, oh my God. That's insane to me. I have never been a person who wakes up in the middle of the night. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah, like, I yeah. need to well, eat. That, I've never been that way. I used to have a problem where I would wake up in the middle of the night and down like what? a Coca-Cola no, really or a Sprite, which is insane, insane to me. It's insane to me. It was then, and it's even crazier to me now because I just I just would not do that. It's water for me. It's always just been water. Yeah, I don't even wake up and drink anything anymore. Although, two nights ago, I did wake up and have some water about like five in the morning. Unless you have like super or dry mouth because you've been like sleeping like with your mouth open or whatever, <laughs> which I'm known to do. He's from Spain and he is the. Isn't that weird that Bob's Mr. like exercise now, but he'll still wake up and eat a bunch of ice cream sandwiches? He's always been like that. He just goes through different phases. My brother, the actor. He used to also hate sweets and now he. Oh, yeah. Eats ice cream sandwiches. It, it was mostly chocolate he didn't like, but I think he's eating chocolate uh, now, too. Hi. I am Felix John. Your taste buds hi, change uh, as you get older. Felix? They say yeah, every seven so years. Jack every seven years? Mm-hmm. That's a uh, long time. One on one. I just thought it would be even longer I than that. I went through a big chunk of my childhood where I didn't enjoy the taste of fries, like French fries or potato chips. Is that like similar fried potato taste that I didn't like for a while. But now you do. Yeah. I didn't like mashed potatoes for most of my life. Now I fucking love mashed potatoes. That's so weird to me. I learned to like them the first time I went to jail. (laughs) And then the second time I went to jail, we didn't have mashed potatoes once. I will say this. What? Decatur County is much better on the rules and letting me have some slack. But Ripley County had way better jail food. You get like rotisserie chicken every once in a while. That's fucking nice. Lucky you. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta take what you can get in the slammer. I like how we're absolutely saying nothing about what is happening right now, and we're just speaking over speaking. Put my finger on your mouth, on your lips. Let it go then. Here we go. Hey, man, what are you... You want to play like an orgasm? I'm just trying... What? (laughs) There's a part coming up that I love. Oh, God. This is really weird, man. That's, That's my cock. What? It's Kyle Gas. Oh, a- God. Hey. Do you feel it? No. Now I'm going to touch your cock. Ah. Let me touch your penis. It's me. It's what? Me. It's JB. <laughs> there's no Felix, dude. What are you doing? There's no Felix. I'm fucking waking you up. Well, yeah, there's a part that Kyle foundation. does that's so are funny. Sounding to me. You're touching me with your penis. It's so much. That part's always been interesting to me because Kyle says. By touching me with your penis, and then Jack Black comes in immediately with, "Yes, by touching your penis," which was not what was mm-hmm. just said. But 
funny still. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> wants to go. just get in on that. <laughs> so that actually did. Uh, that usually just flows right into the next song. I did kind of put a little break there, um, but let's roll on into Senorita, the next track. I'm so impressed by this song. How so? Just the. Most of the writing, it seems, with Tenacious D is like in more of a rock world. But then to go into this and make it like very Spanish. Well, one thing I can say, which I've already thought this, but I've read that this is a very tight album for what Tenacious D is known for. And uh, I do think that, yeah, there are a lot of things that are pulled out on this versus like the first album. Yeah. That you have different styles and such that yeah I wouldn't have seen this coming necessarily but no. it's Kyle it's Kyle oh, yeah. who's doing all that guitar work in the background and stuff he's the one I mean it just seems like Jack will do whatever you want like he'll do like the power chords of whatever yeah oh yeah but Kyle is the one who's driving the ship yeah I wonder if Kyle was had been working in the past years on more Spanish sounding music like learning Spanish classical guitar and I mean like hey dude I want to use this on the album probably live living in Southern California which you have a lot of that crossover culture oh there's Mexicans everywhere <laughs> I love that part I do too when my fist connects and then I love like they got the trumpet sounds in there mm-hmm. that have a certain tone. It's not like it doesn't sound like a like a ska band trumpet, you know? It's very Spanish sounding trumpet with the, with the way it was recorded and the, whatever mix and effect they put on it. Look, sounds great. Way higher production quality for sure. I wish I knew anything he was saying. I've never noticed that until just now. It's, it's like this whole part. The writing with the guitar sounds great. I definitely like the melody. <laughs> There's a good example of the adding fucking in there that didn't necessarily need to be there. That's how people fucking talk, right? That's how I speak. That's how you speak. <laughs> I think I say fuck too much, but I think by other people's standards, because I really like the word fuck. And you get some heaviness right here. Yeah, definitely. And then you got the, the drums, Dave those Grohl. Dave Grohl <laughs> metal drums, yeah. The drums make it heavier. Oh, yeah. yeah he's putting like double kick drum pedal in there and stuff. He just needs to get some blast beats going. <laughs> oh, I'm not into that idea. I watched a video of Dave Grohl the other day. He was like, I guess some guy was yelling at him from the crowd, and he he saw the guy, and the guy looked like a like a bald. Uh, I guess he looked like just a super metalhead, and he was like, Wait, what do you want me to sit here and go? Rrr, rrr, is that what you want, motherfucker? Huh? Rrr, rrr. Well, guess what? We're gonna have Taylor come down here, and he's gonna sing a. Fuck, I wish I could remember what he said, but it was, like, not a metal song at all. Mm-hmm. They were doing a cover of, like, Rick Astley or something like that. <laughs> it was really funny to hear Dave go, 
motherfucker, is that what you want to hear? (laughs) (laughs) Which I bet Dave likes some death metal. Oh, yeah, he does. But (laughs) And he does that sometimes. Oh, yeah. I remember you told me that live, he's like way more of a screamer. Mm -hmm. And we did listen to The Color and the Shape. Yeah. And the only song on the album, which is the title track, was by far the heaviest album track that uh, you hear nothing like usually they're way more radio friendly than what they can do. Yeah. They can be heavy. They just choose to not do that. I probably said this on the podcast before, but he said something once that was, I, I don't listen to the Foo Fighters. I respect the Foo Fighters a lot for some reason. And I really love Dave Grohl because I think he's smart and he's honest all the time. And he seems like really motivated and driven and like, He has a good heart and he's honest and yeah, all of those things. One time he said, in regards to writing songs, it's easier to write just noise and thrash music. It's way harder to write a hit song than it is to just go. It's so much harder to write something with like a catchy melody. And I was like, that appeals to, I've never thought of that. And yeah, you were the totally fucking right. Like it's, you know, guys can write thrash metal albums all day, and I love thrash metal and stuff like that. But it seems like you can pump that shit out way easier than, hey, no, we got to pay attention to this one song for three fucking weeks. We got to figure out the melody that pops. We got to figure out, you know, something catchy that hooks you. Like he's totally right. He's totally right. I guess what I'm saying is I just. I just love motherfucking Dave Grohl. <laughs> yeah, I like the way that his musical brain works. I appreciate it. Me too. In fact, sometimes when I'm working on music and I get like down on myself, I'll use Dave Grohl in my mind to be like, hey, you wouldn't fucking put this to the side. Get to work, motherfucker. Do your job. <laughs> and it works. Totally yeah. works. That's good. It's good to have some source within you to pull from some memory, some inspiration whatever you want to call it some piece of you that you're able to uh get tougher with get tough with dave Grohl. i we mean put out a, a little workout session video <laughs> called get tough with dave Grohl." Yeah, my, I, I, if, if that's the case i want him dressed like olivia newton john <laughs> and it, i want it to be that sort of get tough with dave Grohl. <laughs> you know he would put that on too he'd be down <laughs> getting physical with dave Grohl. That's another thing about him I Please. love. He's totally willing to get really goofy. Oh, he has a he has a great sense of humor, for yeah. sure. All right, let's listen to the next song, Death Star. So this is totally Star Wars based, right? <laughs> yes. Like, that's what the, I like, mean, the, the Death, Death Star, Star is. is from Star Wars, yes. But people aren't fucking <laughs> everyone on the Death Star. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. But I mean, that's what Death Star is, yes. essentially. It's a giant spaceship meant to destroy entire planets that Darth Vader and the Empire have created. So it's meant as a fighting machine and a home yeah, for oh, lots yeah. of people. Yeah. That's one thing that I think is interesting because that's not something that's done. Like, like that's something that's done in media, but that's not something that's done in the real world. Like, there aren't ships 
that people live on, They're like, right. yeah, no. completely, <laughs> where it's like, we're going to use our home and just, like, use everything that we have to defend everything that we have with. No. The closest thing would be, like, crab fishermen when they're out on the boat for four months at a time but still even then they come back home eventually they still technically have a home to go to and it's a separate thing so that's just i just always thought that that was an interesting thing about like star trek and star wars and all of that that it's like this is what we used to fight with and we are not separating it from our home no but i think there is a home base in that still but was it just really that they know. spent so much time working that they had to, like, sleep there? I don't know. I'm so nervous to talk about Star Wars because people are like, that's not correct. It was this serial number on the trash can. It's like, I, dude, I've seen it, like, five times, maybe. Like, I'm not a fucking super Star Wars nerd. I just like some of the movies that I've seen. But I fucking love Darth Vader. I love the song. Fucking suck your face. <laughs> there once again. Adding the fucking. There's a lot of shit, too. I like that he curses as much as he does. I want to talk about that. People saying curse and cuss. Is cuss like a Midwest thing? Maybe, because people used to believe that there were actual, like, curses in, like, words and language that you used that you would, like, yeah. a curse would be released. Yeah, there was that South Park episode about that. Curse words, the word of curse. Come I don't know. <laughs> if you feel like looking up the origin of cuss words, feel free. I'm, I'm speaking to you, Sam. I'm not... No, I'm speaking to you, Tom Jeffries. Look it up. <laughs> it's... I've only heard people from around this area say cuss words. Are you cussing? It's, it probably started with a hillbilly not pronouncing the R. Probably. It just An evil alien squid. It's, people can't see you dance. You have to talk. <laughs> I know, but we can't just constantly talk over it. We have to let them hear it for little bits at a time. Very little bits. I'm I'm still so shocked. It's probably because... Well, I don't want to let anybody know this. It's probably because of our lower listenership. Yeah, it's because no one knows that we exist. Yeah. I'm waiting for the cease and desist letter on an episode. I will not. I don't <laughs> believe that'll happen. My favorite part of the song that, of course, was talked over because that's what we do constantly is talk over the songs that have absolutely nothing to do with it. Yeah, um, it's more fun. It's when he's like, having lots of sex with my friends. <laughs> rain in the rain in the rain. I wonder if that was an aspect in Star Wars on the Death Star that was happening that they just did show us in the movie. <laughs> you would know better than I would. I know that Luke and Leia kissed each other in the first movie before you find out the brother and sister. Everyone knows that. <laughs> to sustain the quality of life. I think that's a direct reference too. I know in the movie Spaceballs, there's like a version of the Death Star, but it's a giant becomes a giant robot lady who has a vacuum cleaner, and they're just out to steal uh, oxygen from planets. So literally, a giant vacuum cleaner comes out, and they just like. Suck all the air off of a planet. You ever seen Spaceballs? Yeah, but it's been quite a while. I take it you weren't a fan. 
I was a fan of the fact that John Candy and Rick Moranis were in it, but it just really wasn't up my alley. I mean, I <laughs> was the one who was more than willing to put on almost a two hour long Mel Brooks documentary. Um, that was such a weird documentary. Yeah, it, I don't think it even was technically a documentary. I don't know what you would call it. Um, but because I'm more interested in the human, the way that the human is themselves. I like the human mind. I think it's interesting. I think psychology, human behavior. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, um, who, you know who else was in Spaceballs? Bill Pullman. I'm very aware. <laughs> Bill Paxton, you Claude. No, why is the one who is less talented <laughs> is the one who's still alive? Oh, because the one put the one who died literally put his heart and soul into it, and his heart gave out during surgery. Oh yeah, he did die on the table, didn't he? Mm-hmm. You don't know he's more talented. He just got hired more. Okay, first of all, I have two eyes and a brain that <laughs> fucking works, so I am very aware that there is a huge difference. And the acting chops of Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman. And if anyone wants to argue me on this, aside from you, I am so open to this because I will fuck. I I, I am so not confident in so many things in my life. But when it comes to arguing that Bill Paxton is better than Bill Pullman, I will fucking destroy you. (laughs) I'm going to argue it anyway. Bill Paxton was not in the Casper movie. Argument done. (laughs) Coming from someone who literally consumes nothing. I consumed Casper the movie in theater 11 times. Okay, how many years has it been? Since I watched it? Yes. Zero. I watched it last week on my phone. (laughs) This is why conversations with you suck, because everything you say is bullshit. So there's no reason. Like, it's just, it's a dead end for me. Like, I have no energy to go anywhere because it's all nonsense. And you're like, just yes and me. And it's like, but that's all life is with you. And it gets old. Fuck that. I'm fun. I'm tired of you is what I'm saying. That's what it sounds like. All right. We're going to listen to podcast over. We're going to listen to one more song and then we're going to take a break. This is Roadie. They did actually make a video for this and um, Danny McBride is in it. He plays the roadie, which is interesting. It was like a had like a whole beginning to it where they're like doing interviews for the roadie. And then he's like, I haven't done drugs and so long and then he gets all fucked up on everything and then messes everything up. speaking of danny mcbride i have been watching that righteous gemstones show oh really you continued i did because it was at some point that there were people who were on comedy bang bang the podcast and then they recently did the best of of last year and there was something from that episode and i decided to go back and watch it and i think it got better because the I, I, I like the first episode, but as you know, I just don't. You didn't. You said that it was awful. Oh, I thought I said I thought I expected more, wanted more. I basically just want more. Uh, what's his name? Adam Devine. No, the one that nobody's gonna know his name of. Tim Baltz. Oh, Tim Baltz. And you get a little more. I saw his ass today. Oh, really? <laughs> his girlfriend pulled his pants down and just started like, spanking his ass. <laughs> <laughs> What's that girl's name? She was on Comedy Bang Bang too. I don't know. So for a long time, this was this song was I was obsessed with this song. 
It's fun to sing. To me, she said, hey, can I suck your dick? I say yes. Yeah, it's very fun. I sucked your dick and now give me that backstage pass. I do not want you, Rody. <laughs> I want cages chode. Oh, the old suck the roadies dick to get backstage trick. That doesn't exist near as much anymore, right? Like I assume not. Girls who are so ready to just Like I think our groupies not dying or dead, but it just seems like seems like eighties groupies, it was like a badge of honor. And it was all about sex. There's a whole thing. There's stories everywhere that younger generations are having less sex. They don't want to have babies or get diseases. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're smart. <laughs> I make the rock go. And they don't want to be parents and they don't want to get married. So it's like people are like afraid of what it will do for the future. But it's like we're ruining the fucking earth. So why are we concerned about how many human like we don't need to have more billions of humans to murder. Oh, no. Let's just let them die off and... Let's get the population back to a normal fucking number here. Let's let's care about the Earth, everyone. Let's care less about making babies. We can still fuck. You just don't have to have the babies. You know what scientists always say about that? It's like all this like uh, being afraid of pollution and all that. They always say like, I know you think of it as you're saving the Earth, but... Even if we ruin the fucking Earth and we all die, Earth will still be here. It'll be in a different form, but it just won't be habitable for us. So really, you can still be selfish and think about yourself and your family. And it's still a reason to take care of the Earth because we want to keep it habitable for us. We can turn it into a rock that you can't live on, but it'll still be in space floating around. It just won't be for us to be able to be lived on. It'll just be fucking like microbes and bacteria that can survive in crazy environments. That's one of the reason why or one of the reasons why I also have no desire to have children because I don't think it's fair to be like, hey, this planet is gonna be fucking dog shit in literally like two decades. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah, it doesn't it's... matter with me because I will have lived a full life and I'll be on my way out. <laughs> so if I die Oh, well, uh, but good luck, because you're going to be the generation who has to figure it out and who's going to suffer the hardest. Who has to live in the wasteland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then if you decide to have children, you're poor fucking children. So, yeah, people our age, if we decide to have grandkids, have fun with that. Yeah, no kids. All right, so let's uh, let's take a break. Break time. I think it's a good time for that. I think it's a good time to uh, maybe... take take a break. Pick some of that fruit, Sam. I'm reaching up to the fruit tree. I'm just going to grab your balls. That's low-hanging fruit. Oh, God, they're so low-hanging. When I'm 60, if I ever make it that old, they're going to be down to my knees. I'm going to have to strap them up with duct tape or get them cut off. That sounds cool. That's like permanent cat toys, though. (laughs) We'll be back. This episode of Couple of Critics Podcast is brought to you by Double Down with Draculio Downer. All park slides are butt wipe stations. Everyone you know is in a constant state of physical and mental decay. Your family loves you because they have to. (laughs) That's all for now, Draculio Downer. 
save some of that gloom for later and for the next Double Down with Draculio Downer. Presenting to you. Yes, everyone. Thank you for coming out to New York Jazz Open Mic Night, the only spot in New York where you can come sing some of your favorite classics with the great jazz band we have here tonight. Everyone give it up for the Jazz Band 4. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So next, we have Stan Bingslington. I think that's what the card says here. Stan Bingslington. He's up there singing classic. Oh, my God. It's so perfect. This is New York, New York. Come on up here, Stan. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Stan. Whoa. All right. I'm going to do a classic. Frankie, baby, it's Frankie. I'm here, boys. Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he got real soft there. Ha <laughs> ha, love it. <laughs> Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. Jazz night. Yeah, I'm not coming back. Come back next week where hopefully I figured something else out to do with my life. Uh, this is my first ad last. All right. Play us out, boys. Oh. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. That was terrible. I'm going home. Fuck this shit. Yeah, you want to go smoke some crack, buddy? Yeah, uh, I do. Yeah. yeah, let's get out of here. The show must go on, and we are back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, welcome back to uh, the Couple of Critics podcast. We will uh, suck a yo dick. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> we are... <laughs> I was just reminded, since you played that, to come back into break. Uh-huh. He had an actual video game called uh, Brutal Legend. Oh, that's right. You used to play that. Yeah, and the character was a roadie. He was like the ultimate roadie. And, like, when he goes into this new world, because he gets sucked into, like, some different universe, he uh, has to use his powers of being a roadie to, like, train other people to fight. Hmm. And they use, like, metal and rock ways to fight people. Like, one of the guys is, like, just carries giant stacks of amps on his back and, mm-hmm. and like, use them to blast loud sounds at the enemies and kind of sedate them for Knock a second. Knock them out. Yeah, yeah. So he has a true love for roadies, as everyone should, because like he says, 
they make the show fucking happen. Those are the guys that do all the heavy lifting. Those are the guys that make sure everything works, mm-hmm. especially at a certain level. The roadies do it all. Because they're dedicated and they love you so much and they want things <coughs> to go well. Because they're getting paid And they well. want to do everything they can to be involved. So they also just have that drive and that love. Yeah. And they're the ones that, while they're out on the road and get to like see everything, they're also the ones that work the most. They go in, they travel all night, they get in early, they have to set everything up and get it ready by some certain amount of time. Then they're allowed to get fucked up for about three or four hours, and then they got to tear it all down and get back on the road. It's a, it's a crazy life. Have you ever thought about being a roadie for anyone? Uh, no, I've never thought about it, but I, I don't know if I'd make a good roadie because I'd be like, yeah, but there's a, a skate park over here. And like, if I can't go now, I'm not going to be able to go. I like being the guy who plays the music. I want to be in the spotlight. And skates? Yes. I spend all day skating when I go out on the road. I, I leave as soon as I can after the show. I don't go hang out with anyone. I go off by myself. I find a rest stop or a Walmart. I sleep and I get up by like 9 in the morning. And I go to the skate park in the next town that we're going to play at, or one that's close to it, and I skate for as long as I can, and then I drive to the show. And if I'm not selling any merch, I don't get there until maybe a half an hour before I'm supposed to play, and I'm totally fine with that. But if I have to sell merch to make the cash to be on the road, then I got to get there, you know, around five. But still, I at least get a good four to five hours of skating. Mm Mm-hmm. But I didn't do that on the ICP tour because I wanted to be rested and fresh for yeah, the good, good for go. the show. Because it does wear you out. Like you expend your energy all day, and then you're supposed to go be energetic at night. And I've noticed sometimes my legs are a little tired already. Nudely. As soon as the show starts, I'm like, "Fuck!" I went I've been too hard skating all day, and my heel hurts because it just ends up hurting when you. Yeah, skate. that's not good. <laughs> None of those things are good when that's the reason why you're out on the road. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, you gotta. The road can be so fucking boring if you don't do it right. Yeah, but there has to be a balance. There is. And I'm trying to learn that, but I like skating too much. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get back into this Tenacious D Rise of the Phoenix album. <laughs> let's uh, listen to Flutes and Trombones, which is <laughs> not a song. No. Another skit. It's all spoken word. I like this one. Cage? Hey. I like that it's Cage. What do you think it's improv? I'm sure they flesh out an idea, but do you think the back and forth is mostly improv? Yeah, I assume that they had an idea and went back and forth a handful of times and just chose their favorite. I just had to, you know, come back and... What's that behind your back? It's just... Is that a flute? <laughs> Dude, are you coming in here at night with a fucking flute and laying down flute tracks? You goddamn motherfucking stupid piece of shit! So always so mean to KG. Yes. I love when people call people pieces of shit. I love when Jack does it. What are you doing out there anyway? What do you mean, what am I doing here? What are you what doing are you what? what are you doing here? You're on my shit about being here. What are you doing here? Yeah, he sounds so what are you genuine. He sounds so <laughs> innocent. Chuck mm-hmm. so sounds down. like an asshole. Fuck you! I'll fight you! <laughs> 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 
And this is basically a precursor to the next song, so I'm just going to let it play on into the next track, the ballad of Hollywood Jack and the Rage Cage. I've always taken that that track, Flutes and Trombones, as they just wanted a reason to put flutes and trombones in something. <laughs> and just yell at each other. <laughs> yeah. Like they didn't even have an original idea. The I just want to put a flute and a trombone here for some reason. And then created the bit around that soul idea. I know that this isn't like serious music or anything, but there's something about this song. Like there are multiple songs that stand out to me more than others on this album that are just much more likely to stick in my brain that are just more fun, you know, but this song, there's something about this song that is just so enjoyable to me. And it's like the story of them supposedly, but it's just interesting. I, I enjoy the, the fact that he's bringing out uh, like ideas that I'm sure people have had, like talking about how Jack Black is obviously more popular mm-hmm. and Hollywood then bringing Jack. it up in this in an accentuated way but that is a real issue like I wonder if Kyle's ever been like that motherfucker like, we're supposed to be making music and he's busy being on goddamn Jay Leno I have a feeling that Cage was always a little more open minded Yeah, but that uh, Jack is probably so even though like he seems crazy and in your face he's probably more self-conscious than people realize and it maybe just came from his brain of just being like I don't want to do this to Cage like Cage is so much more important than I am in this uh-huh. but people think of me because I'm an actor yeah so a big goofy in your face one when he probably is like no this is all Cage like this band wouldn't exist without KG so yeah. I remember that Conan podcast he was on he was talking about how like no he's one of the best musicians I've ever known and he's like he's very talented extremely important yeah and it's cool that he says that kind of stuff you know, he, could, he could be an asshole Which he kind of projects himself in this song as Yeah Until, you know, then he remembers his friend But it's cool that he doesn't just sit there and go Yeah, yeah, we are we are great, aren't we? I'm great, aren't I? He goes, no, Cage, man, he's the fucking shit And he is, he's really, he's really good at the guitar So are we supposed to think that Playing this flute, this is KG Do you think it is KG? Uh, probably not. I think they have the money in the production. I don't know. There is a Kyle Gass band. Like, he also has his own band. Yeah, Who knows if he can play more instruments or not. I mean, maybe, but this seems like a very good experienced flute player. Like they purposefully found someone who was better? I think they just hired a flute player. It's just studio work. Hey, get old Jerry Flute Flutenstein. Old Jerry Flute guy? Yeah, get him in here. It's probably a lady. For some reason, I attribute flutes to ladies. Although I shouldn't because of Ian Anderson. He's like the most popular flute player. Lizzo's flute's name is Sasha B. Fluten. <laughs> so her, her, it has its own Instagram page. Her flute has its own personality that wow. it is a woman. Man, that pissed me off on that SNL performance when she didn't play the flute it didn't surprise me that she didn't that's all I wanted to see was the flute action she wouldn't have done that for SNL she wanted to prove other things I 
Being a flautist is uh, important on SNL. It is to me. I wanted to see her pull out a real instrument and be like, <laughs> Yes, you know, when you're going completely insane. Maybe I think of the rage cage. Flautists as women because in band it was all girls that played flute when I was in high school band. Plus, flautist sounds like a feminine name. It's like florist. Which also sounds feminine. To me, it does. Although the only guy I've ever, person I've ever known that loves flowers is our fucking neighbor, old man Cleet. But he does it because he loves the outdoors. He would never be a florist. He does it because he's vain and wants everybody to be jealous of his house. That fucking old bastard. You hate him. Uh, I'm not the only one on this block that doesn't appreciate Cleet. I didn't know this. Oh, he's known for, like, going to other people's houses and, like, telling them what's wrong with their lawn and stuff like that. And being like, hey, you need to clean that up. Wouldn't he benefit from having a nicer looking space than the people around him? That's what I always said, because he does take part in those, uh, like, best backyard. There's a little thing where... Contests? Yeah, yeah. And he takes part in that. So I always thought... Wouldn't you want our yard to look like complete shit that it, so that it makes yours look amazing? No, because he is old school and he wants the entire community to be nice. And if everybody does their part and works together, then that can happen. So maybe you're too busy. Maybe you get caught up. Maybe you don't realize it's gotten that out of control. So he's just there as a friendly neighbor to remind you. Hey, don't forget that you have shit in your backyard that shouldn't be out there. And I'm actually picturing our back, and I'm talking to you right now, Sam. You have stuff out back that should not be there and needs to be picked up. A certain Sawzall? <laughs> I unplugged it like yesterday, and it's just been there plugged in on the porch forever. The dog could have stepped on it and accidentally fucking, like, started the thing. Uh, it'd be very hard for her to start that. It depends on how she stepped on it. It would have to be at a complete up angle for her to step on the trigger. It doesn't lock in and just go. You got to hold the trigger. I'm aware how they work, Sam. And I'm aware that we have a 100 plus pound dog who is able to do interesting things. And I believe that sawing her foot off could potentially be one of those (laughs) things. So let's not direct anything about, oh, I don't think the dog would ever... You need to not leave things plugged in outside <laughs> for weeks at a time or days or any of that or hours. She was building something. She asked me to do that. She couldn't plug it in herself. <laughs> we know that this female, this bitch that we have <laughs> is not able to come up with good ideas herself. No, she's quite dumb sometimes. Yeah, all she's good for is laying on her back and taking it like a bitch. Oh. And I mean love. Uh, Love. Cuddles and kisses and hugs and all of that. And smelling bad. She does smell bad, but that's our fault. She smells bad a day after you give her a bath. Because her mouth is rotten. I smell it in her ear. You always say that, but that's not as bad as her mouth. That's where I smell it. Because, yeah, but you're way less aware of what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that. I put my face next to her. I go, oh, your ear stinks. Your mouth doesn't smell too bad, but your ear fucking stinks. Okay, that is wrong. Her mouth smells bad. She has bad tartar built up on her teeth. Why are we arguing about the dog? I'm going to play the next song. Let's listen to Throw Down, which actually fits. (laughs) Because that was a perfect segue. (laughs) 
wonder what kind of a guitar Cage plays. Oh, wait, doesn't he say it's a Gibson earlier? I'm sure you could look it up. I think he's in that one, the skit, he says, it's a Gibson. <laughs> Jack just keeps going, it's a Fender. This one's on the weaker side of this album to me. It just doesn't seem as interesting as a lot of the songs. It's always got to be a weak spot on every album. Most albums. I still feel like it's probably stronger than the spoken tracks. The bits? Yeah. I think that their bits were stronger on their first album, which is what they were trying to channel. I don't think it was as strong. No. This go around. Yeah, like the drive through bit on the first uh one. Yeah, that one's classic. Yeah. And like a Cleveland steamer on my chest, things like all of those things are classic. (laughs) But these just aren't as. I mean, I love the songs. I love all of the songs. But I will say that I don't think that the skits are as strong on this album. And I like. Then I'll be dead. I love that. I like the Dave Grohl drums there when he's like. See, I like the groove of the drums in general. I understand that it's like weaker musically, but I think it's a nice groove. Like it, it is. It's just a more laid-back song, but I don't think. I don't know. I guess I don't think less of it because I, I, I put the skits on the bottom. Do you think they recorded at Dave Grohl's studio with that console that he made the movie about? Probably not. Or at least the drums, because the drums sound fucking amazing on this album. Like, they're played well, but the sound is that great. That sound? Yeah. And I remember in that movie, he talked about how that console, for some reason, just drums always sound amazing through it. Plus, I like this verse. I I just think there's something about Jack's voice that is very interesting. And when he is in this, like, vocal register, I think it's very interesting and fun. So, like, yeah, like, I get the music itself isn't that interesting, but I'm interested what Jack is doing in this song. That's right there. <laughs> that sounds like that would hurt the throat parts that he was getting on there. That's uh, and maybe that's why it was a short amount of time that he did it. I mean, really, the next few songs are pretty short as well. Um, the rest of the album, there's not a whole lot left to go. Uh, but I say we just kind of roll through this. Go for it. All right, let's listen to the third and final single, which is "Rock Is Dead," which is less than two minutes long. And it's actually, if you watch the video to this, it's edited. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which sucks. But if you want to watch the Comedy Bang Bang episode that that they're on, David Cross is also on. It's a great episode. You should definitely watch it. Yeah, they do that song and Weird Al comes out and they're like, like, ladies and gentlemen, Weird Al. And then Weird Al comes out and just does like a little quick accordion solo and then leaves. I do believe that's Kyle. They were different. 
based on different websites, there were different references of other people who played other instruments on the album, but nothing matched up, so I'm not even going to get into it and just and say wrong things, but I'm not sure that the electric guitar in this is played by Kyle. Huh. I'm going to... I want to think that it is. Because it's really good. I like that part. (laughs) Man, I wish I could have played that Sweden show with Jello. Because Tenacious D was there. I could have. Could have jammed with Jello. I could have seen Tenacious D, which I never have. And I could have been backstage as they came off and, like, seen backstage stuff. Plus, all my friends got a picture with him, but he looks. He looks very like, like what the fuck is going on here? Like it, it looks like they stormed him. Oh yeah. Because he's like all sweaty. You can tell he just got done with mm-hmm. the show. And I've even got a friend named Craig who was like, I don't know. He kind of seemed like we were kind of annoying him. <laughs> like yeah. he probably were. He's used to. He was just exhausted. Yeah. Most of these bands are used to this world, and they're just like, hey, 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 okay, good show, maybe. But Jello's comprised of people who are like don't normally do that kind of stuff so when we see things like that are crazy we're like holy fucking shit i still (laughs) feel like most people even other celebrities would kind of have that oh my god it's jack black feeling though but i don't think they would storm him for a picture that's true i I just feel like he's one of those people though that most people would just be like whoa i need to talk to this guy yeah i would have loved to have seen that oh for sure and then I could have been like, I played on the same festival as Tenacious D. <laughs> Look at me. Aren't I special? Aren't I special? I use a squatty potty. <laughs> I've, I think about the squatty potty all the time when I'm pooping. Mm-hmm. I've actually put my legs up and uh, put rested my right foot on the tub. And then tried to put my other leg like... Just up? Kind of like, you know, parallel to it evenly. And uh, it has helped things come out easier. Goddamn evolution. We're ruining everything. Because toilets are making it harder for us to poop. I remember. We're supposed to be squatting in holes on the floor. Uh, All over uh, holes. Yeah, I'm Damien Manspeaker, Bill's son, he put up a video of his, well, the way he lives in China. And then he walks into the bathroom and he goes, and here's my bathroom and that's where I poop. And it was just a fucking hole in the ground. I was like, whoa. What do you think is in that hole, though? I don't know. Like, do you think that you flush and it, it, like, pulls away what you put in the hole? Or do you think it's, like, it it can't be, like, a, uh, like a porta potty It can't be like that no. where it just sits there and smells all the time. No, it has I, to be sucked away. I think it's the same mechanics as a real toilet. It just it's uses just less water. Floor. Yeah. I think it even has a little water in there to hold the stench back. Yeah, but, but it would just use less than like an American toilet would. But imagine trying to fix that toilet. Oh, we got to tear up your floor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got to tear up your floor that you might have missed the hole on and shit on the ground a few times. See, and then you got to scoop it in with your foot. That's the thing. <laughs> like, if you miss, you're dealing with like scrubbing shit off the floor. Like... Which I'm not saying that I wouldn't scrub shit off of a toilet, but I don't usually have to scrub shit off of a toilet. That's not 
something that I deal with. And if I do, I can use like a brush and stuff like that. Um, and it, it seems like it's different because it's like in its own specific thing. If it's just on the floor where I just like hover over, that just seems yeah. more, it, it just seems more like, it just seems dirtier. Maybe you get better at aiming as you do it more. And you're like, ah, I know where I'm supposed to stand. Here we go. Plop. Yeah, I guess. Cause not everyone can stand in the same place. Cause not everyone has the same measurement of taint size and like where their <laughs> butthole is located on their body. Imagine if it was a little bit slippery and you're like in the middle of a poop and then you no. just lose your footing no. and you land and you just squash no. shit between your ass and the floor. <laughs> I can't even continue this conversation. I have to play the next song. The idea of that is horrendous to me. It's disgusting. It's scary. It's unsanitary. I can't do this anymore. Let's listen to They Fucked Our Asses. And then then you hurt your back and you can't get up. (laughs) This seems like a classic Tenacious D song with the way the guitar is just played. Real simple uh, In the beginning It gets a little weird But I like this Just that like classic Jack Black sound That little Jack Black accent Mm -hmm. (laughs) Accentuating things Through Yeah and rolling his R's This sounds like almost like a Dio feel to me Oh, they do love Dio. <laughs> they had a whole song about him. But this part is super lame to me, which has like a '80s like power rock sound. It fucking that rules, man. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm just saying that. I do enjoy it. Okay, I, I specifically do not enjoy it. So I, mean, I listen to Symphony X. So <laughs> I mean, do you hear that and you're like, yeah, or do you hear no. that? I, like, I just hear what is your reaction? Okay, because I hear that and I'm just like, ugh. When I hear it, just like, uh, like I, I mean, I get that they're putting it in because I get that they're into stuff like that, but I'm not into stuff like that. So to me, it's just, ugh, it kind of <laughs> turns me off a little bit. I'm not as into it. I'll admit. It's my favorite song. A little sneak peek. <laughs> it makes sense that your favorite song would be titled They Fucked Our Asses. <laughs> you like stuff like that. You like butt stuff. Let's talk about how Sam likes butt stuff. Sure. He likes talking about farts. He likes talking about poop. He likes farting and he likes pooping. He likes smacking his ass. He likes pulling his pants down and making his friends look at his butt. (laughs) And that is the saga of Sam and asses. Let's listen to the second to last track on this album. Uh, This is something that is totally unlike everything else on this to be the best. Oh, this is This is a great. solid minute. This is a solid 80s, like, Miami Vice type track. And it's great. Yeah, the for drums. Sure. I love the, the... I guarantee Dave Grohl had a blast doing this. If he did it, they're obviously programmed. Yeah, but he still may have done electric drums. He may have played, like... Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just like to imagine that he he just did like yeah something in a studio 
and did this like old synthesized like 80s like yeah so i got those old things it's just four pads that sit on a table it sounds like this is a like theme song or something because it's a it's a perfect one minute track i imagine somebody running upstairs it's almost like a rocky thing <laughs> I don't know what it means. <laughs> like, it, it seems like it should be used for something. Yeah, like running up the stairs and at the very end, just like bursting in the door and just like saying, "That's your sample the best," <laughs> yeah. or just something like it. It should. It should. There should be a visual attached to this. Absolutely. And it makes me kind of sad that there is nothing attached to this visually. If I ever decide to exercise at any point in my life. I'm just going to play that on a loop the whole time I'm doing stuff. Oh, I thought you were going to say that you were going to play that to exercise too. Yeah. And that's going to be your thing. And I was yeah, going to be like. Just that song over yeah. and over and over oh, and over. And well, over I, I, I thought you were going to say not on repeat. So it was just going to be like, yeah, this is my workout <laughs> song for minute. one minute. Yeah. One minute abs. One minute hard. One minute there. Uh, let's listen to the final track on the album. Uh, this is a great track. This is 39. And I mean. I didn't read anything about this, but it sounds like it's it's clearly something he wrote about his wife, who is 39. He's 49. Is she 39? Is there a 10-year difference? That's what it sounds like from the song. I don't know oh. if that's true, but it sounds like that's the case. And he's talking about how he appreciates her for the 39-year-old woman who she is. I've never gotten that feeling. I thought he was just trying to be goofy. I assume Jack Black... Went for some like Hollywood beauty. No, I think she's more of a regular looking woman, but I think she is younger than him. I'm looking her up right now. Jack Black wife. Tanya Hayden. Yeah, he he said he's 49, she's 39. That's his wife. I'm wearing socks and my I know that she's made some babies for him. Oh, yeah. I watched the Tony Hawk episode of that YouTube show he does. And his son was in that. And his son played drums. They made Tony Hawk play the keyboard. And they made Tony Hawk's son, Riley, play the guitar. And they just make this like really stupid song. You can tell Tony's just like super uncomfortable the whole time because he has no musical ability. He just looks awkward all the time anyway. Unless he's on a skateboard, then he's a fucking soaring Boy. eagle. A soaring hawk. Is that what hawks do? Cacaw. So when did this album come out? 2012. 2012. So that was eight years ago. She's currently 48. So. Yeah, when this so was written you, and recorded, right she would have been 39. Which means he's almost 60. I don't know. He said he was 49. I fiddle with my anus. stick a finger in it. And I fucking did a riddle do. No, he's only 50. So he was not 49 when he made this song. I don't think he'd write it about his wife because he's like, she needs a dentist appointment quick. I'm like, boobies drooping. I love the boobies drooping. <laughs> That's the thing. She would have been 39, though, when he wrote this. 
or recorded it. Yeah, but he wouldn't have been 49. Yeah, it's just that he said he was, so I wasn't sure. I like it cause I don't feel scared. What's, it, so, what's the sound it is? Is it like Bob Seger sound? It's, I think it has a very similar sound to that. It's definitely like a classic like, classic, like southern rock. It has almost like a country twang here and there. But yeah, this just sounds very Seger-y to me. And even like the, the guitar strumming style. Oh, yeah. Young enough for me. Oh, what a favorite! <laughs> boobies drooping, but she's good enough. God, I hope so, because boobies droop. That's what they do. Real ones. Trimmed a pussy hair. <laughs> Those definitely need trimmed. I don't care who you are. You Whether you're a woman. It's got to be Bob Seger, right? That's what I hear, especially right here as well. Special lady. Special lady. It's just ham it up as much as you possibly mm-hmm. can, Jack. Fucking movie. I wonder how long it takes them to record an album. If Jack can just like nail this stuff almost, I want to say immediately, but like maybe two or three takes. Yeah. I have a feeling it doesn't take a long time for him. I could be wrong, but Never lose. I mean, I bet like it does with any s- recording session, the most time goes into setting things up and getting the right sound versus, the time. versus actually doing the takes. Unless you're working with a bass player. Jeez. Yes. We're just, you're just talking about Kirk. No, it's a fucking known thing throughout. A bass player suck. That I'm going to go out on a limb here, but most of the time, bass players were the guitar players that weren't as good as the other guy that plays guitar, and they needed a bass player, so you're just going to be the bass player. (laughs) Do you hear that, bass players who listen to this? We have some bass players Uh, who listen to this. Sorry. (laughs) I don't know anything about it. I can't say anything about it. All I know is I... I like a bass groove. I like a good oh, bass yeah. groove. When a guy is good at bass, they're fucking amazing. But when you're bad, you can totally get lost and be unheard in the song. Yeah, most of the time in mixes, they do turn your way down. Mm-hmm. They say that the bass, bass's main job is not to be the star. It's to thicken up the guitar sound. Sorry, bass players, but... Most of the time, you're just not that important. <laughs> so you're the cornstarch. You're the thickening agent. Yes. Most of the time, as long as you're okay at it. Well, we are finished with the album, so we are technically to the point of the podcast right now where it's uh, time to uh, go over some questions. I got some questions, what do you have? I got some questions, what do you have? I got some questions, do you have some answers? Do you have some answers? All right, so why did I choose this? This is something I've been sitting on for a while. I've been wanting to give it to you. Honestly, we were talking about banking episodes. I thought this would be an easy one to give to be able to uh, record an episode not long after the previous one. So, <laughs> I mean, really, 
production was a lot behind why I chose this. However, it was something I was planning on giving to you since the beginning. Yeah. Plus, I like the angle that you said earlier, early in the episode, like people who might be Tenacious D fans that maybe put this to the side. Or you don't need, even really know much about it. You need to know this album. I this, think so. This album, it grows on you. I, th- I mean, I've always liked the D. I've always enjoyed Jack Black and Kyle Gass. But when it comes to Tenacious D, I've heard that first album so many times. And I never really got into the second album. So hearing this, I feel like it rejuvenated my love for Tenacious D. Yeah. It showed me that they were able to do more than just that first album. Agreed. Um, so... Yeah, I thought I just I think it's a good I think it's better than people know about. I think more people should listen to this album. If you like Tenacious D, you should know that this album existed. Just don't want the first album again. Like mm-hmm. just don't expect that. Just expect new sounds mm-hmm. and you will fucking like it. Yeah. And what do I think you thought when I gave it to you? Easy motherfucking piece. <laughs> Uh, what was your judgment prior to listening to it? <laughs> Do you know how many times that you listened to it? I only listened to this counting in the uh, count the van when we went to Red Lobster three times. But this is an album that I just know. Like, yeah, I could have not listened to it and been fine. Just like the last episode, because we are recording this pretty close to the last one. I would listen to. Dying fetus, and then this. It would just be after it. So it would be almost every time. But because I was sick for a chunk of the last week, um, I couldn't really bring myself to listen to Dying fetus because, like, I I just couldn't handle it. Like my head fucking hurt. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sounding the drums in your head, fucking head. So yeah, like I didn't listen to that as many times, but I I listened to this five times. So I did get a, a couple more listens in than the last one because I started feeling better. But uh, still probably not as much as I normally would have because I was sick for a while and just... Yeah, you could have easily listened to this nine or ten times and you would have been just fine with that. I think so. This is a really... This is a very easy listening album for me. Um, Least and most favorite songs. So what do I think your least favorite song on this is? This is going to be interesting. But my guess... We're not counting the bits, right? Yeah, we are. Oh, well, I didn't tracks. count the bits. I didn't choose as one of those as mine. That'll be my hint to you. Okay. So, if that is the case, my guess is they fucked our asses? Nope, that's not what I chose. Okay, I really have no idea. I actually sort of mentioned it in this episode. Okay. Throw down. Is probably my least favorite. Oh yeah, track you on did here. say that you thought that that was uh, simpler and a weaker spot yeah, on I the album. I still really enjoy it. It's Your just my head, when I think of this dead. album, I don't think of this song. It doesn't pop into my head. I agree with that. And other songs do. Like they fucked our asses. They fucked them hard. <laughs> that will get in my head. And that's a very tenacious D thing. Yes, very, very much so. So that was your least favorite. What do you yes. think my least favorite well, track is? Counting the bits, then I'm going uh, the trombones and flutes. Ooh, flutes and trombones. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sam, 
Uh, you got it right. <laughs> I'm not even fucking around with that. Um, classical teacher was a little bit, Cage? you know, not far behind it because I think that hey, the the skits what, themselves are pretty weak points. Oh, I think I that just, all of the songs have redeeming qualities. Yeah, all of them personally. And the like the classical teacher one, it's got some really funny night. moments in it. Like, yeah, like touching me with your penis. Studio. And you at least have so, yeah, yeah with, touching me with <laughs> your penis. <laughs> like I, yes, I do uh, like that part. So <laughs> so yeah, the flutes and trombones. There's just nothing much to that at all. There's no substance. So that's my least favorite. If and I don't because I just listen to the whole thing when I listen to this, but. If it came down to skipping a, a track, I mean, I guess I might do that, but it's a minute and a half long, so there's no reason to do that. Um, what do I believe that your most favorite song is? Take a guess. I'm going to go with uh, something that I know that you've enjoyed in the past. I'm going to pretend that I believe that you still like it the most. I'm going to say 39. It's a close one, but it is not Ooh, what I'm going I with. did not make it. Are you going to play a section of 39? No, <laughs> no I was accidentally okay. going to play, and I was trying to make sure that it didn't do that. So, Sam, what is your most favorite song? My most favorite song, this was hard to do because they're all pretty good, mm-hmm. especially the ones I like. It's They're right next to each other. But I think I'm going to have to go with Death Star. Wow. Did that come out of nowhere for you? It really did. I never would have guessed this song. I, it it this makes me laugh. It makes me think of the Death Star. Uh, musically, it's everywhere. There's it soft is. Sections. It's all over the place. There's fun, fast sections. Good drumming. It just, just it kind of checks all the check marks for me. <laughs> and there's like, there's even like a little bit in that, like, that mm-hmm. little t- speaking section. Oh, that shit is tight. <laughs> it just hits all the check marks for me. <laughs> all right, so. Uh, An evil alien squid. Death Star is your favorite. What do you think my favorite track is? This one was hard for me, and I'm going between two, and I'm just going to shoot one of them out. Okay. Oh, man. Rody? Rudy used to be my favorite track, but okay. that is no longer not my favorite track. My other guess was Senorita. Is that what it's called? It is what it's called, but it is not correct. Okay. All right. What is it? So Lay it on me. my favorite track on this um, is a song that I think is just great. I don't have a lot that I can say about it other than the fact that I think it is just super strong and wonderful. Um, the Ballad of Hollywood Jack and the Rage Cage. This one's pretty... Uh, I hate this word when people use it, but it's a pretty epic song production, like with the fluting, the flouting in there, and just it's almost got everything that Tenacious D is known for. Mm-hmm. And I really love the melodies in this, like at different parts. I just and I normally wouldn't choose like a more of a ballad song, but there's something about this song that has just grown on me over time that I've just. I, 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 I just love it. I don't know. And I, I like so many songs on this. I like every song. I love most every song. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know what it is about this one that has just grown on me over time. And I think this is the song that has the most of him. Like, he sings super ridiculous on this song. And there's sections where he pulls it back and he's almost singing in a normal, non-accentuated way. Like, 
the section he just played before when he's like goofy. No, when he's not goofy, when it comes um, down a little bit and he's like the rage, he just kind of brings the insanity down and then brings it way high too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you mean like right here, which I love. All the rage cage, all the rage cage. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Um, so yeah, the Ballad of Hollywood, Jack and the Rage Cage is where I sit for the favorite track. Um, how old was I when I first started listening to this? It was when we were living with Adam and got this from Kent. I honestly don't know when it was, but it would have been like a year or two after it came out. I would think like 13, 14, something like that. I was going to say probably around seven years ago, so. Yeah, I would say. I think um, you and I started listening to it at the same time, right? Yeah, we did. And if, if I remember correctly, we were we both like kind of became obsessed with it a little bit. I know. Oh, yeah. I know I listened to it like regarding how I originally felt about it. I loved it and it was on repeat. Yes. A lot for me. Mm-hmm. And I remember that we had talked to Kent or you had talked to Kent and he was like shocked that we liked it as much as we did. C- because like I said very early in the episode, he championed for this album when it came out and I was like, eh, eh. You know how I get like, mm-hmm. eh, it's new, eh. Which I wish I wasn't like, but uh, fortunately I am. Sometimes you need those barriers because you're not ready though. That's Sometimes true. you need time until, you, I mean, it sucks that you have to kind of be like a dick or a baby about it before <laughs> yeah, I can be. I mean, I feel that way too about myself, uh, that I have to be at a certain spot where I feel like, okay, I can finally digest this properly, but it happens with all of us. Absolutely. It happened to me with uh, a couple Primus albums, mm-hmm. which I ended up absolutely loving mm-hmm. but like i remember getting tales from the punch bowl and it was just i was like yeah it's kind of okay it has mrs blailing on it i know uh, and i didn't really like that song for a long time hi paul that makes and, me think of zach brewing yeah me too but then like then it ended up being one of my like, i love that fucking album mm-hmm. i love mrs blailing i think i was there was a section of my life where i needed things to be more punk or heavy heavy so I was like, eh, let's go back to Frizzle Fry, which mm-hmm. seems to have more of a punk attitude to it. So I wasn't wasn't ready for it. And this album was the same way. But then once that barrier was broken down, the floodgates were open. Yeah, we were all in on this. <laughs> yeah. Would I recommend it today? Absolutely. I think if you're a fan of Tenacious D and you're not very aware of this album, but you're like, oh, I love The Pick of Destiny, or I love their first album, or I love both of those, but I kind of dropped off. You should listen to this album. Absolutely. I think that this is good quality to Tenacious D. I haven't listened to their most recent album. I could be missing out on that. That's uh, maybe, on me. Maybe we should start giving that one a listen then. But I, as far as this album, totally still recommend it. Sam, would you choose to listen to it again? Yep. I listen to it on my own anyway. This is a, an album I would play at work on the speakers. As you know, there's, I can only play certain things that, can be tolerated, even though that fuckhead Mel will put headphones in on when something amazing is playing. Yeah, you've talked about oh, that God, before. Man, it's not Kendrick Lamar. Me. It's not a bad thing, though. Okay, so Sam. Yes. We're finished with questions. We're finished. That means you have something to give me next. What I do. is next? Well, this came because a man died recently. Can you guess what band I'm about to give you? Who died recently? He's one of the most famous drummers of mm. all time. Neil Peart. We are doing Rush. That makes sense. We are listening to Moving Pictures, 
which okay. has so many fucking hits on it. Okay. And uh, that's my choice. All right. I did it because of Neil. All right. I. It's interesting. I've been waiting for a Rush album to happen. I knew this this was coming eventually. I think losing a, one of the three band members is probably a good time to jump on into this yeah. and uh, let me see what this is going to be all about. So You're going to know most of these songs. <laughs> and, all right. That's probably, that might be better that I have something to kind of ease in on. Yes. Um, but we appreciate you listening. Yes. Thank you very much. You. Uh, we're on YouTube now. We have a video channel that we're putting videos on. We're uh, working on content, baby. We're reacting to things. We have previous episodes you should check us out we're on social media a little bit you can check us out on uh facebook for sure um and uh thanks for listening tell your friends thank you all bye hey it's my favorite song